start by asking you about solo playing and you know whether it's a, a thing that you do frequently or something that is sort of every once in a while that you uh, play solo performances and also sort of how you approach form and structure when you're just all by yourself playing. Well solo playing is I mean you know I'm one person right so I can do it anytime I want to mm-hmm. all the time you know um, so it's one of my favorite things because it's a practice mm-hmm. it's just a practice and um i i enjoy playing solo when i'm invited to play solo you know kind of gives me a lot of space to explore without distractions mm-hmm. but at the same time you know i really enjoy group playing uh, and that's a whole different kind of headset you know when you're playing sure. with a group of course yeah. but with solo playing it's like painting and so, for me, the the instrument has so many colors that I want to find the various colors on each string. Each string has its own color. So, and then mixing them is like mixing paint, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess you could probably hear that in some of the playing. Absolutely. So yeah, I get invited from time to time to play solo, and I'm all really excited always when I have that chance to um, to to just play in a space that doesn't feel pushed. You know, or that I have to adapt to anything. Mm-hmm. It's more like meditation than, you know, driving or something, you know, when you're yeah. driving in traffic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, backing up uh, real quick, you've been based in Birmingham for how long now? Well, I was couple, born there. A couple decades. All right. Well, yeah. Um, Did you Birmingham spend some time is, in Tuscaloosa uh, as well before? Well, that or? was college years. Okay, sure. So, you know, I was there for about six years, okay. you know. But you were initially from Birmingham. Degree there, there. So. Okay. Yeah, Birmingham. Iron, iron tortoise, we yeah. call it, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, you know, I think the, the scene that you've sort of uh, grown there over the years is really fascinating in that it's you know, a really uh, sort of active, free improvised music scene that's completely sort of apart from, you know, other sort of major centralized uh, uh, scenes, you know, in New York or other places, but is also sort of interwoven into a fabric of American free music. Uh, Could you describe sort of how that came about and sort of how you established things in Birmingham? Well, let's see. It's um, I don't think it's any different than any other independent pocket in the United States. I think there are a lot of things that are um, simultaneously, you know, invented mm-hmm. and uh, 
and produced. Um, people have been inventing musical instruments, for instance, you know, as long as time itself. And so uh, experimenting or playing on these various things, um, I think would be a pretty universal thing. So I don't think it's particularly special other than, um, well, the, that the fact that it is is special. So it's, to, it's a double thing, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not special, and it is special that um, individuals discover something that interests them, you know, that is uh, organic and from a, a point of, uh, whether it's boredom or a point of inventiveness or a point of um, just playing, you know, just... You know, like when you play in dirt, you know, when you're a little child, you mm -hmm. do stuff like that anyway. Mm -hmm. So you just carry your childhood forward. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, at, for myself as a guitarist, uh, you know, I have a pretty rich history over the last 50 years to draw from when I think Are about improvised music. Well, no, going back, right, I'm looking pretty good for 50, right? Um, but reaching back, you know, there's a lot of sort of defined, uh, rich tradition in terms of uh, improvised music that has occurred in the last 50 years. When you were starting out years ago, there wasn't as much of a sort of direct lineage of free improv to draw from. Not in the United States. Not in the United States. What was that like, sort of playing freely, you know, when you were starting out and without as much of a sort of uh, direct musical stylistic lineage before you in the United States? In the United States. Right. Well, we had, uh, we had a group of crazy people, you know, in, in our neighborhood in college and around in that time, you know, so I think that it started, well, I was a serious music student, mm -hmm. as you know, um, but um, so I was listening to Stockhouse and <coughs> Penderecki and these, you know, really brilliant composers. And uh, my partner, Davey Williams, was listening to European free music and uh, like Broadsman, mm -hmm. you know, this that uh, Bailey and and so when we met we actually met on a Ferris wheel <laughs> which I think was was it invented in Chicago or something I think you so. know? it was a big one <laughs> was it yeah. um, and and so we thought that was really kind of you know like the stars had aligned you know because we had met on a Ferris wheel and mm -hmm. um, we started talking and 
we were talking about new music and free improvisation, and it's just kind of like, okay, so two threads come together and create a potholder, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and, and so we became a potholder. Uh-huh. And so we started holding the space for free improvisation to kind of work between us and our crazy community was working like just blowing free but we wanted to do something more compositional than just blowing free mm-hmm. so that's kind of how the trans music divide came you know from the sure. Redellinus divide which you know is very based on uh, I guess Dada kind of like behavior and mm-hmm. stuff like that so mm-hmm. but anyway it, it all is um, is history now but I'm just thrilled that many, many young people in the state of Alabama and Birmingham and, you know, are playing their own free music and now they're doing all the organizing so I don't have to. That's and beautiful. I love that, you know. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so I think everything's evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point... Uh, you, there's got oh, yeah. to be something in the Bible about it, though. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> I was also, also going to ask you about the, uh, the Improvisers Network. Um, and how you were able to develop a network, not just in Birmingham in its own little pocket, but also communicate with other pockets elsewhere in the United States. Again, outside mm-hmm. of like New York or yeah. other major sort of uh, massive urban areas. Well, when Davy Williams and I met, you know, that we didn't have the internet yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was a prolific writer and he, he wrote a number of people and made contacts and I have to give him credit for that. And so he wrote Evan Parker and Derek Bailey and, you know, Peter Riley, who was writing for Music's magazine and sent reel-to-reel tapes, you know, across the ocean, you know, by snail mail. And so relationships Mm -hmm. uh, were were born. And so when those relationships, you know, people go, oh, that's interesting. You need to come here or whatnot. So... People were coming to Alabama, and we were producing some concerts, and then they invited us. And you know how that works. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So it's a natural, organic way of <laughs> you know crossing the pond, Absolutely. and you know getting a foot in, you know, with uh, other players, and even across the United States. You know, we even came to Chicago early on, didn't we? So um, about surrealism and music and different things, you know. Beautiful. So. I think the first time we played in Chicago, Davey and I am talking about, was at the uh, occult bookstore. That's and that's where we met you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Emergency like theater. way back in the 1978 or something like this. Amazing. about uh, the label Transmusic and sort of how uh, that got started and how it's changed over the years because you've been releasing music for so long and 
I guess more specifically, like what what joys and challenges have come with, you know, running a label for your own music and your your peers' music and how that's changed over the decades, obviously. Massive changes. In we how came up are released, during but. the period when um, there was quite a movement in the United States of making independent music, and a lot of it was on cassette or reel to reel or something. You know, it went to cassette, but um, trans music was a breakoff group from the Redellinus scene in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa. And the reason we, we broke off was because we wanted to just have some kind of musical clarity. You know, so it wasn't like an endless jam session, you know, with a lot of smoking and drinking and, you know, card playing or whatever else was going on, you know. So we, we were focused, like, practicing once a week, mm-hmm. you know, with some some different, like, five, five or six people that were involved. And um, we recorded stuff. So we just, we had a real real player and we recorded a bunch of stuff. And then we um, would send these little tiny real reels over to Europe. And so... You know, it's all just this kind of sharing. Mm-hmm. And then some years later, cassettes, when we were doing the Improvisers Network, we had by that time hosted some key people like Eugene Chadborn and um, Andrea Chintazzo mm-hmm. and Evan Parker in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Amazing. And so from that, you know, we wound up being uh, invited and hosted in Europe and so our little real real tapes got reviewed in Music's magazine and so trans music we finally um, we made some recording and we sat and we listened to them for hours on end and decided what had three stars and what had two stars you know as compositions and you know if it was a three star piece then we liked the the shape of it and the form of it you know because mm-hmm. we really didn't want to have a long 30-minute blow sessions because that was really common in our community at the time and so we were trying not to do that so that's what uh, started trans music Mm -hmm. and ever since then I mean um, I think we always kind of think in I do anyway I don't know if anybody else does but I do I think in terms of a beginning and where is it where did it start where is it going and is it going to conclude you know Mm -hmm. in group playing, I think it's extremely important that uh, experienced improvisers, you know, listen and can catch those endings, you know, and create something that is crystallized in, into a piece. And um, that always satisfies me anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little old-fashioned. Maybe one more question for you. Okay. Um, about sort of what you're up to more recently. Uh, we were talking earlier about the space that you've been uh, developing in Birmingham over the last year or so. Uh, 
wondering if you want to talk about that space at all. Oh, or? it's a fun space, boy. It's, it's totally different. There was this um, contractor, and he had um, built uh, kind of a, a antique mall in there, <laughs> and he was really interested in building all these little houses inside of this warehouse. So it sort of looks like a village. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's in a, a very kind of a little bit iffy neighborhood. And so that uh, the antiques didn't go over too well, you know. It was a little, you know, I don't know. So anyway, the next idea was to get artists in there and make studios. Well, unfortunately, these little structures, these houses and these things that he built in there are not big enough for really working studios. Right. But they're okay for, like, showing, you know, a limited amount of work or if you have smaller work or something. But anyway, it's like a village inside this thing. And then in the back, there's a performance space, and then there's some large rooms in the back that could be workshop, you know, area mm-hmm. or actual working studio space. So we're we're trying to figure out how to make it work because this landlord has been so generous. He's given us the space for free. Mm. for a long time for at least a year and he's given it to us for another year and or months ahead you know he was hoping to rent all those little spaces but they don't really work for you know real artist artist studios and it's cold in the winter and it's hot as hell in the summer and we um we staged a surrealist exhibition that Mm -hmm. was going to use the whole thing you know so that was really it was it was we were sweating like pigs you know like trying to put the work up you know and trying to figure out how to use this whole space it's a very interesting space it really is so um at any rate we're in in the process of reorganizing now i think it's going to be um the potential for uh, spoken word groups to perform and they're already doing it the musicians collective and it's already kind of happening and visual arts all together in one space. A crossroads for the arts. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be the, the perfect way to use a big, huge space like that that's all broken up into such weird, you know, absolute things. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, yeah, if you're coming to Birmingham, let me know because sure. we do like to produce both visual art, spoken word, and, um, and music improvisation. But it, it wouldn't have to be just music improvisation. It could sure. be any kind of music, of course. Sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a very yeah. exciting project. It's called to... Art Town. I mean, Art Town. At East Lake Station. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. We're trying to come out with a newer name, but, sure. you know. <laughs> right now it's called Art Town. <laughs> sort of like Monopoly or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>